Welcome to Advance Your Art. If you are interested in making money from your art, using your artistic background to your advantage when switching careers, or if you are just plain stuck, you've come to the right place. Now let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you're interested in learning how to build a company, make money from your art, or if you're just feeling stuck, you've come to the right place. Every week I sit down with a creative entrepreneur to discuss the who, what, and why of their journey. If you like this episode, please remember to like, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Today, I'm sitting down with Amani Roberts, DJ, music producer, podcaster, and educator. Amani, hello, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me, Yuri. <laughs> of course, it is my absolute pleasure. So. Um, for my listeners who are less familiar with what you do, how do you describe yourself and what you do? Mm. I'd say I'm a DJ, music producer, professor, and author who's based in Southern California. Mm -hmm. I perform all over the world. I also live stream primarily on Twitch. So that gives me an international audience. And that's what I do. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. So I'm basically going to, let's say, unpack a lot of those. <laughs> But uh, I do want to start before we get into that from the beginning, and that is what initially made you interested in music? I grew up in music. Uh, my father would always play music, you know, in the house as a child. Um, then, you know, it was just always around. I first started playing the flute, well, really the recorder, quickly transitioned to the flute in elementary school and then got to the saxophone, which I love. So I've kind of grown up in music, was jazz band in high school. And then started to curate and develop my love of DJing from there in college. And so my love for music has been everlasting. I always collected CDs, records, and it just continues to grow now. Yeah. So uh, college, you originally studied hospitality. What made you want to pursue hospitality first? Initially, I wanted to be a chef. And I wanted to cook for huh. people. So chef kind of fits into the hospitality business. But yeah. I quickly realized that I was a little too selfish to cook for other people. I can really <laughs> mainly cook for just four people, not too many other people besides that. Yeah. So then I shifted on to hotels. And that's what I, I grew up in the hotels. I, okay. I worked at hotels for over 20 years. So that's kind of part of my blood. Sure, sure, sure. And then when was it then? So you were you were working for hotels and I, I saw on your LinkedIn, so I stalk everyone's LinkedIn, um, <laughs> that you did work for a number of hotels before kind of switching into other things. Where did the, so you mentioned briefly about being interested in DJing in college, but how did that, tell me about that transition from mm. working for hotels, hospitality to DJing and what was that like? Yeah, when I was a college senior, I got to witness Bismarcky, may he rest in peace, he mm. just passed away about a week ago. He was in DC. Quigley's nightclub and it was there that I was like wow the way he transformed the room and took us on a journey was amazing yeah. so I decided I wanted to do what he did but initially I didn't think it was a legitimate career you know I was used to kind of work your nine to five 2.5 kicks a dog a white picket fence and DJing <laughs> just didn't really I didn't see it yet yeah. I quickly found out after moving around that it could be a legitimate career um, you just had to kind of do some other things and have some other forms of income and it was only when I moved to LA, still working for hotels full time, okay. that I then decided to kind of start to also pursue DJing, learning it, getting some gigs at a bar, doing small little events. 
And that's kind of how it first started. And then it's kind of grown from then. Okay. So tell me then about your company, the Amani experience and what, where did that come from? And what was it like starting, starting that company? So the Amani experience, I started this one, oh my, it's been almost 13, 14 years <laughs> ago, thinking about it. And I really just wanted to provide DJ services, um, primarily like social events, weddings, also want to do a little bit of work in clubs or bars. Mm -hmm. um, and then it just kind of grew to, you know, doing bigger events and then teaching people how to DJ. Then I went to DJ school, was able to improve my skills two times, whether it be uh, DJing and then music production, and then just continued to get bigger. I joined a professional association, was then exposed to international and larger gigs domestically, not just based in Los Angeles. Um, and then I was able to, through podcasting, interviewing different people, curate and grow my um, moderation skills, MC skills. Mm -hmm. And so it just continues to grow and evolve and shift in this past year, you know, brought into live streaming since we were all stuck inside. So that's kind of how the company started, how it continues okay. to evolve. And that's kind of where we're going moving forward. Yeah. I was wondering if you can unpack a couple of those. So let's start from the very, very beginning. When you first had this idea um, to, to be a DJ, to create these experiences, were there books you were reading or courses you were taking about how to start a company? Or where did you learn how to, you know, the physical act of starting your own company at that stage? Where did you learn or figure that out from? Mostly it was trial and error. I talked okay. to a few other DJs who were doing it. They gave me advice. I went to Howard University School of Business. So I had some business foundation in terms of my schooling. Sure. I talked to a couple of other small business owners that were in the same kind of space, hospitality space, talked to them, mm -hmm. trial and error. As we <laughs> move forward, I, I joined this networking organization called BNI, Business mm. Networking International. Mm -hmm. And that was where I was able to grow in terms of knowledge, talking to other small business owners there. And then I also joined Meeting Professionals International, the Southern California chapter. So once again, joining all these different organizations, talking to people, going to classes. So it wasn't one specific class. It was a combination of just talking to many people, attending conferences, yeah. listening and breakouts. You, you mentioned books. I can't really think of one specific book that I read that really helped me. Although in retrospect, I read it later, but the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss is a really popular one that gave me some good tools to use. Um, and yeah, just mostly trial and error and talking to other people, different mentors, things like that. Sure. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about DJ school. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm not familiar with that at all, but what yeah. is, what is that like and, and what do you learn and what does it you know, focus in on, on DJ school? I went to Scratch Academy. I'm sure you're familiar with the hip hop group Run DMC. Mm -hmm. So DJ Jam Master J started the academy. He was murdered six months after he started, but it kept going, came out to LA. Yeah. Um, basically, it's like getting your master's degree in DJing. It's about a year long program. You go through six different classes. You must pass each class to advance. They talk to you about basic mixing, troubleshooting, then advanced mixing, scratching. You have all these classes. You have to get a certain level to pass. So I went through that experience. It was not easy. It was very difficult. It was challenging because yeah. um, there are people there of all ages. Mm, I mean, I was 
early 30s then so it was people there like 15 16 years old little people older than me so you just all together yeah you have some legendary djs that are your instructors uh you know between mr chalk uh dj revolution even dj hapa and you just really really have to be dedicated you have to be consistent you have to practice it was it was a wake up call, but it was worth it. And so you go through and then the final class is you have to do these six different performances. Your goal is to get 320 out of 400. Each performance was maybe, I think the first five were like 50 points each, which brings you up to 300 total. Then you had a final exam, which was a hundred points. So you want to get 320 out of 400. This is after you've taken five or six classes. I got to the final one. Yeah. And got a 320 out of 400. No, I got a 318 out of 400. So I was two points away from passing. Did not pass. They didn't let you slide. Yeah. So I had to retake that final class. But that was really a turning point in my DJ career and my life because I had to decide, am I really, really in or not? And so I retook the final class, got one of the highest scores ever, and that propelled my business. I went back to take their music production school, mm-hmm. which is another year-long program, which helped me which is why I also do music production. So that's kind of DJ school, what's involved and just the work that it took to get through the program. Yeah, well, that sounds really intense. I'm, so I'm also curious on your career, because you've mentioned, you know, you, you kind of broke down briefly about how you kind of were stair-stepping your way up the ranks. How did that actually look like? Like in your mind, what was the first real gig that maybe broke open for you a, a new level of of opportunities and and how did those like jobs come your way i think the first gig was really my, my first kind of main residency friday night this club bar called the brig in venice california i got this through opening up for another fellow dj colleague a few times and the brig they asked me to come and cover a couple like a wednesday a thursday Finally, the DJ that was on Friday left suddenly. I was like, well, you're here. Are you interested? Yeah. Said yes. So to do, you know, a Friday night in Venice, California for the same club for three or four years is pretty big. Mm-hmm. I was pretty new in my career then. And um, that would be the first one that's kind of propelled me to other lists because then people would come to watch. Um, I would get certain customers or clients for just from being there. It allowed me to practice how I marketed the night, uh, getting other DJs to come open for me. It was just opened up a whole different world of things. Plus, it really taught me how to uh, read a crowd, move a crowd, keep the dance floor going, Mm -hmm. just like really, really hone in on DJ skills. In addition to mixing, just multitasking, making sure you can, if you need to speed up the tempo, slow down the tempo, try new tracks. It was just an incredible learning experience there. Yeah. So what I'm really curious about and when I see this, like other other DJs, they have a very strong persona. So I'm I'm curious about you, like the idea of authenticity, um, particularly around you know what you do and, and your brand. How did you develop your DJ brand? You know, just through being authentic. You'll notice that if I do any corporate events, I always have a bow tie on. That's something that's really important, kind of synonymous with my brand. Mm-hmm. The type of music I play. I love like old school R&B, 80s, 70s funk music. Um, and then really just consistency blended in with that and 
only trying to stick to the clients that really fit with that so that, you know, you know, if you're getting me, this is what is what you're getting. And so between that and then maybe some public speaking and joining different organizations to talk about myself and branding myself uh, was really important. Then once I became a professor, the two kind of merged and it just continues to grow and build from there. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about your book. What made you want to write a book? <laughs> yeah, so writing the book, I wanted a couple ways. I wanted to further establish myself as a thought leader in the creative space. Okay. That was one reason. I wanted to also let people know that DJs are extremely talented individuals, both behind the decks, uh, highly emotional intelligent because we have to be able to read moods on the floor, touch people different ways with different music, uh, good business people, marketers, like we have to do five or six things at once in a gig and then after a gig too. So that, that was really one, another reason, reason number two, reason number three was using the book to then start to acquire more speaking opportunities, more panel discussion opportunities, interviews like this on different podcasts, just be able to expand my network, use it as a big business card. Mm -hmm. um, and then four, you know, just open up another stream of income, you know, write a book, then you can write another one, then you kind of have certain things that can be sold and purchased while you're sleeping. And that's the goal right there. So those would be the four <laughs> main reasons. <laughs> sure. Um, so how did you, how, so knowing that you wrote a book, how did you approach that? Was, did you find a publisher? Did you find an agent? What was that process like for you? I was at a podcast conference and it was in Philadelphia and there were some people there that were presenting on writing a book and how it can help your brand. And I'd been thinking about it before. I had a business coach that said, there are different ways for you to establish yourself as a thought leader. You can do video blogging, podcasting, writing, write a book, all sorts of things. So I'd already had the podcast going. Mm -hmm. I said, well, writing a book, that could work. That could make sense right now. And so then I worked with this one company, Book Launchers, and they helped me with like a writing coach and they helped me with all the editing and things like that. And so that's how I came to the decision and that's why. And then the writing process, like it took probably a good seven months for me to write everything with the assistance of the writing coach adding in some procrastination there because there'll definitely be times <laughs> where you hit certain walls and you can't really get things down on the paper. Um, and then getting past that and writing it, then the editing, which is another whole story, which can actually hurt your feelings because a good editor will definitely carve up your book. Um, so that, that's kind of the process and it's taken all the way through to launch. Unfortunately for me, I launched in the middle of a pandemic, but we still kind of were able to do some things and just kind of continue to market it even today. Yeah. Well, that's, that's wonderful. And um, uh, as someone who also released a book in the pandemic, my, my condolences, it was a, a very weird time to suddenly yeah. be like, I want to do speaking engagements and yeah. then everything go away. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious then about your book. So the, the title is DJs mean business one night behind the turntables can spin your company's success. Can you talk a little bit more about the content of, of your book? Basically, the book will take you through the time slots of a DJ set, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And mm -hmm. every 15 minutes, we kind of go through something that's going on that relates to the DJing and business. So, for example, 10 o'clock p.m., we are just getting started in our set. We're kind of building rapport with whomever is in the club. But well, same thing in business. You're, when you start your business, you're trying to identify your ideal client, your avatar, so to speak, who's going to be your best client. 
Then we proceed forward. I'm going to skip a couple chapters to like 11 o'clock. Troubleshooting. Something always goes wrong in the DJ booth, whether it be your computer, needles on a record, speakers, something goes wrong, but the music can never stop. We're never allowed to give up. So how do you keep the night going while you're still making adjustments to your computer or the speaker? Same thing in business. You might have to make a shift in what you're doing. Your product might not be selling like you like it, but there's another service that you offer that is more popular. How do you shift and keep it going while still maintaining your brand image? Then we get to like midnight, it's prime time. DJ, how do you keep the dance floor packed? Song after song, people are singing along. Dance floor is packed. The bar is getting cycled through. So things are benefiting there. Business, you just want to keep increasing sales month over month, year over year. How do you keep that going? That's prime time. Then we come to the end of the night. It gets like 1, 1 30. I always play slow jams at the end of my set just to kind of help people out. You know, just if they've come to the club to do something, kind of give them a helping hand. But businesses use nostalgia very well. You see companies like uh, Adidas with like Stan Smith tennis shoes, Nintendo bringing back the old school Nintendo, Old Spice with the commercials they have that are old to yesteryear. Nostalgia is a very effective way for businesses to recreate themselves or just create different advertising to attract a different demographic. So nostalgia. Then finally, the night's over. So, you know, not only do I get feedback from the club manager, the bar, tender, security, but I also used to drive for Uber. So I would leave the club, get in my car, turn my little Uber meter on, pick up people who most likely were just in the club I was DJing (laughs) at, take them home, say, what'd you think of the night? How was the music? What'd you think? And at the end of the ride, I'm like, you know, by the way, the DJ in there was me. So thank you for the feedback. So that's kind of a cool little chapter, cool experience there. And that's what it is. So it takes you 10 p.m. to about 2 a.m. a little later and just relates every 15 minutes to the stages of growing a business and what we do in the DJ life. Yeah. So there's one area I'm curious about. So you you talked about like, let's say like the pivot part or, or you have to keep going when things go bad. Talk to me about DJing during COVID. And so yeah. you mentioned you, la- you launched your book during COVID, but at the same time, so you're a DJ, which is a very live you know, performance. Um, and so what was that like transitioning to, like, to something else during COVID? And what did you learn about your business in the last year? So obviously during COVID, no in-person events, no clubs, nothing. Everything was shut down. Like the world came to a stop. So yeah. many of the DJ communities started to go online to DJ, whether it be Instagram or Facebook. And then finally Twitch. So you first are Instagram and Facebook and they would cut you off with the whole licensing issues. Every 15 or 20 minutes, you oh, just get shut yeah. down. So you have to start it up again. Yeah. But then you proceed on to Twitch where at least Twitch is a live streaming platform. So they have the public performance licenses to allow you to stream live. The videos is where you kind of run into trouble. So eventually you get on the Twitch, you start live streaming. You don't realize that you're actually learning a very viable skill, which is live streaming. That allows you to do virtual events. People are having events, companies virtually where through Zoom or other platforms, you can DJ, speak on the microphone. People can interact through their computers. It was safe. So that led to that. Um, and then Twitch, you know, I it's been life-changing just because it opens up another revenue source because you can get compensated on Twitch through donations, bits, subscriptions. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to create different types of shows. So I would DJ many um, days of the week, but also I had an interview show where we interview other Twitch streamers to learn from them. I created like a dating show, newlywed show. Now we've progressed on to like a version of the Hollywood Squares, Mass Singer, The Match Game. So it allows you to create all this different type of content through live streaming, 
But then now that the world is kind of opening up again, I can use many of those concepts to in-person events. Like we can play the match game in person for the corporate event. Mm -hmm. We can do Twitch squares. We could do a dating game. Like these are all events that now I can perform in person and virtually. Also, I will stay on Twitch. Like we'll continue to stream days where I'm not working in, you know, with DJ gigs. So it's just opened up another avenue of uh, exposure, promotion, money. And I just continue to learn more. Like I'm still learning. I've learned so much in one year about live streaming that it's, it'll be valuable moving forward. Yeah. Well, good. I wonder if you could tell me about how you approach fear. So in many areas of your life, even let's say in this last year when the pandemic hits and then suddenly what you were doing, you suddenly couldn't do anymore. So in times when you, when you are feeling apprehensive or fearful, how do you push past that and move on with what you're, you're working on? Yeah, fear, fear is a tough one. Um, I love the analogy or fear is false evidence appearing rear, real, excuse me. <laughs> And if you let fear, it can stop you from doing anything. It can even make you sick. So what you have to do is you always have to recognize it. Like, it'll always be there. You know, we're always afraid of falling, afraid of loud noises, afraid of failure. Or some people, many people are afraid of success. Yeah. I just think that what I've learned is to just accept that it'll be there, but don't let it stop you. Like acknowledge it. You can kind of keep it on your left shoulder. Like I see you there, but just keep moving <laughs> forward. And many, many times, you realize that once you get on to the other side of fear, do what you were scared to do, it really is not, a, not that bad. Like I was scared to create and perform and do a, a stream alive on Twitch, mm -hmm. but after a while, it's not so bad. You just keep doing it. I was afraid or fearful of writing a book. You know, who am I to write a book? You know, just scared to do that. But once you've done it, it wasn't easy, but you got through that. Even creating a dating show, like who's going to yeah. pay attention to this? This is kind of crazy. Well, no, a lot of people love to watch people in love or whatever. So just fight through it, acknowledge it, no need to ignore it, but just keep going through it. Because as it says, false evidence appearing real or false expectations appearing real um, and just try to fight your way through it. That's mm -hmm. what worked for me. Sure, excellent. So with everything that you have done and experienced so far, what would you say has been the best advice that you were ever given? Best advice I would ever given would be from Mr. Chalk, one of the DJ instructors who said, always keep your feet on the ground. So basically um, just kind of stay humble no matter how successful you get, how many accolades you get, how many people you get loving what you're doing. Just stay humble, keep your feet on the ground. Don't let your head swell so big that you just drift off um, because it's important to stay humble because we, you know, there's always someone out there that's better than you and there are always lessons to be learned and don't let the tough times keep you down and don't let the even times when you're having extreme success, you know, don't let that get to your head too much. And that will get mm -hmm. you very far in this world. Wonderful. Well, uh, Amani, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. If the listeners would like to uh, follow you online or buy your book um, or, you know, potentially attend one of your shows, where are the best places they could go to do all of this? So social media, it's at Amani Experience, A like Apple, M like Mary, A like Apple, N like Nancy, I, the word experience, all one <laughs> word, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn is Amani Roberts, twitch.tv backslash Amani Experience, and my website is amaniexperience.com. I release a newsletter twice a month, which gives you lots of good goodies. 
-hmm. that's it. Just reach out. I'll respond back. We can start a conversation. And um, it's just been great chatting with you today. Sure. Thank you so much. I will put a link in the show notes so everybody can click right through. But again, thank you so much, Amani. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. Thank you for listening to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you like this episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating, like, and share with a friend. Our theme music is written and mixed by Chicago-based composer Ryan Black of Black Bones Collaborative. To listen to the full catalog of our episodes, go to advanceyourart.com. To see what I'm working on or book a time with me or buy a copy of my book, Be Left Behind, go to yuricataldo.com. Thank you so much and have a great day.